Got 20 minutes? Then you have time for a Bible study. Jesus, name above all names, I worship you. Jesus, worthy to be praised, I worship you. Welcome to another episode of 20-Minute Bible Studies. Romans 10:17 says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Over the next several minutes, you're going to hear an important message directly from God's Word and have your faith and knowledge increased. All you have to do is listen. Now, here are your teachers. Hey, everybody. I'm Andy Baylog. And I'm Jordan Pine. Let's get started. Today, we're going to look at two well-known parables of Jesus and hopefully clear up some confusion about them. We'll be exploring both the parable of the pounds, or minas, from Luke chapter 19, and then the parable of the talents from Matthew chapter 25. These parables are similar in theme and structure, so many people tend to teach that they're the same. For example, Wikipedia lists them together under one entry and calls them the parable of the talents or minas. However, as we'll see, they are not the same. They're actually quite different. Yes, they teach different lessons that are very important to understand for anyone who is seeking to go to that next level and qualify for reward in the coming kingdom of Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's listen now to the introduction to the parable of the minas from Luke 19, followed by the introduction to the parable of the talents from Matthew 25. Luke chapter 19, so he said, A nobleman went to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself and then return. And he called ten of his slaves and gave them ten minas and said to them, do business with this until I come back. Matthew 25, For it is just like a man about to go on a journey, who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. As always, before attempting to interpret scripture, we use what we call the space method. SPACE is just an acronym we created to remind Bible students to consider who the speaker is, SP, the audience, A, and the context, C, before attempting an explanation, E. So let's use the SPACE method today on the scripture readings. We'll start in Luke chapter 19. The speaker, audience, and context are all neatly summarized in the verse preceding the parable. Luke 19.11 reads, while they, the audience, were listening to these things, Jesus, the speaker, went on to tell a parable because he was near Jerusalem, and they supposed that the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately. There's the context. The word they in verse 11 refers all the way back to verse 3, and that reads, Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. So we see here, that the audience is a crowd of people that are gathered to listen to Jesus. It's that same crowd Jesus is addressing with this parable. Earlier context tells us that the crowd consisted of various members of the Jewish nation, including rulers and leaders such as the Pharisees, the common people, and also the disciples. Verse 11 also tells us this crowd, quote, 
Suppose the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately. So they believed in prophecy. They believed in an earthly kingdom with the Messiah as its king. They thought Jesus could be that Messiah, but expected him to overthrow Roman rule and begin ruling immediately. So Jesus tells them this parable of the minas, which is translated pounds in the King James Version. Yeah, Jordan, that word in the original Greek is mina, or mina is probably the easiest way we would say it today. But the meaning is actually a weight. It's a measure of weight. A pound's worth of currency, hence a pound. Translating into modern understanding, one pound would equal about $10,000. Okay. In the intro to the parable, the nobleman gives 10 slaves 10 pounds worth of currency each, telling them, do business with this until I come back. And that's the key. He expects action, good financial works. Also notice the amounts are equal. Each slave gets the same amount. And finally, notice that the crowd of Israel was expecting an immediate king. But Jesus tells them a story about a nobleman who, quote, went to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself and then return. Uh, So I guess that raises the question, Andy, what key kingdom truths does the parable of the Minas already reveal so far? And, you know, one of them, I'll say one, maybe you can jump in with another, but one of them is that these um, slaves were expected to do business with what they were given, not just kind of sit on it or hold on to it. They were actually expected to do business with it, which means that we're speaking of uh, works here and not something else. Yeah, I mean, you know, what this this man was doing, he was hiring help, hiring labor, right? And if we translate that today, it's like God telling us, okay, I've brought you in as one of my children. I've saved you. I've put the Holy Spirit in your heart. Now I need you to do something for me. I need you to tell others. Basically, what Jesus was doing is, is, well, what Jesus was trying to tell them is that this king was investing in these people, and he expected a return. Right. So the key kingdom truths would be that this is uh, the kingdom truth that this kind of salvation is going to be about works. And another thing that's interesting is that he's already telling them through uh, indirectly that um, now is not the time. They were expecting a king now, but his notice his story is about uh, a nobleman who went away to a distant country to get a kingdom for himself and then returned. So he's already kind of prophesying of his second coming that he wouldn't be instituting the kingdom during his first coming. Yes. And then switching now to the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, and again applying our space method, you know, the speaker is the same. Jesus is giving this parable. But critically, the audience and the context are a little bit different. This parable appears as part of a series of parables and prophecies about the end times. And to get the context, you have to go all the way back to the beginning of Matthew 24. Maybe you could uh, read for us, Andy. Sure. It starts like this. Jesus, being the speaker, came out from the temple and was going away when his disciples came up to point out the temple buildings to him. And he said to them, Do not see all these things. Truly I say to you, not one stone here will be left upon another, which will not be torn down. That's the context. As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples, that's his audience, came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And what follows in sequence is the following. Jesus prophesies explicitly about the signs of the end times, about the great tribulation, and of course, his second coming. Then Jesus gives them a prophecy of the end times in the form of a parable about Israel, the parable and the fig tree. Next, he gives them enos, an explicit warning to be ready for his second coming, because, like he did say, you did not know which day your Lord is coming. Yeah, this includes Matthew twenty four forty five, which is one of our favorite verses, Andy. And 
And the one that we think about often, I'll read it in the King James Version because we, we, we like that translation a little better for a reason that will become clear in a minute. It says, Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season? So this is a great memory verse for all teachers, uh, whether they're Bible study leaders like us or anyone who teaches other believers from the Bible, from pastors down to fathers and mothers, heads of household. And I guess, Andy, the question becomes, why, why is that verse so important to us and, and in general? Well, let's look at a couple of key points here, Jordan. Let's bring out the word meat. And for our listeners at home who are maybe new to our ministry, we need to define that for you. There's different parts in the Bible that talk about God's Word being put into categories, one of them being milk, and the other one is meat or, you know, food for the mature, if you will. So meat is simply the teaching of the second coming of Jesus Christ. That's the meat. Now, when we look at milk, that's any scriptures where the context is his first coming. And of course, if we talk about the first coming, everything regarding him dying on the cross, his resurrection, and how we need to accept him as as our Savior and receive the Holy Spirit and so on. Anything around his first coming is milk doctrine, which to God is the basics. It's the foundation. The meat, however, is talking about his second coming. Any scripture, especially the epistles of Paul, teaches Christians who are already mature how to live and, and why they should live a certain way, because there's a goal, there's a reason for it, there's a purpose for the struggle. And that's everything regarding the meat teachings. And, you know, and some other uh, key words in that, that memory verse are the words faithful and wise, speaking to the kind of, um, of slaves uh, to Christ that we should be, you know, ones who are faithful, who are persistent in our faith, and then also who, who have the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, and another great, another interesting phrase, an important phrase, is that in this verse, you know, they're ruler over a household, right? So again, that speaks to a leadership role, um, but also the great import and the, the great responsibility that that is. Yeah, I mean, it could be a pastor, it could be parents in a household. It's it's wherever you're responsible, and making sure that whoever God puts in your life, where you have a voice to speak about the Bible and speak to them about the Lord. Knowing to teach your children, for instance, that Jesus is the only way to salvation is milk. According to Scripture, it's milk. But teaching your children that we need to stay righteous and holy and stay strong and rooted in the Bible because Jesus is coming back and he will rapture us and we will go to the Bema seat where we will be judged and our works will be revealed before him. And we need to attain by him telling us. Well done, our, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. To understand exactly what he meant and what it takes to get there is really what our ministry is about. What we learned, we want to pass on to everyone else. We want to educate as much as we can by using Scripture alone how Christians can go to the next level, how to be able to prepare the meat, to be able to enjoy it, to digest it, and live by it so that they could build their spiritual muscles. Yeah, and there's two more key parts to this um, particular passage, this meet and do season passage, that are going to set us up for the parables today. And one is that there's a promise in it, and there's also a punishment. Um, so, of course, we're talking about works. Feeding meat in due season is, is an act of works. That's important to understand. We're not talking about first salvation. We're talking about second salvation. And here's the promise from verses 46 to 47. Blessed is that slave whom his master finds so 
so doing, doing this work of feeding me. When he comes, truly I say to you that he will be put in charge of all his possessions. So that's the promise. And Andy, what's the punishment? Well, talking about the punishment, we just go to the next verses, 48 to 51, which read, But if that evil slave says in his heart, My master is not coming for a long time, and begins to beat his fellow slaves, and eat and drink with drunkards, the master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour which he does not know and will cut him in pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Remember this for later, because it's important. Okay, so then moving on, again, uh, talking about our context, Jesus then returns to prophecy in the form of a parable. He gives the parable of the ten virgins, which we've gone through before. Um, You know, just in a little uh, nutshell, this parable continues on the theme of being ready and wise, as there are five foolish virgins in the parable and five wise virgins. You know, all ten have oil for their lamps, meaning that all are saved, since oil is a type or symbol of the Holy Spirit. But only five virgins bring a double portion, bring extra oil. And, and the bridegroom, of course, symbolizing Christ, he comes later than they expected. And the five foolish virgins are out of oil and have gone into the market to buy more. They missed the opportunity to enter the, the uh, chamber of the wedding feast with the bridegroom and end up being excluded from that sort of inner circle of, um, of salvation, if you will. And, uh, you know, so that's the context. And then immediately after that parable, Jesus gives the parable of the talents that we heard the beginning of today. So I guess uh, a question that immediately pops up and that we should address first, Andy, is why is it important that Jesus is speaking in parables? Like, what does that tell us about his intended audience? Well, what we've learned, Jordan, is that parables were not intended for everyone. They were intended for disciples or someone who's a student of the word of God, of the word of Jesus Christ, meaning they were intended only for those who understand the kingdom truths, for those who are equipped and have spiritual ears and eyes to be able to discern the milk doctrine from the meat doctrine. Exactly. Yeah, you know, we see that in Matthew 13, um, verse 10 says, and the disciples came and asked Jesus, why do you speak to them in parables? And he said, to you, it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them, it has not been granted. Then he says, and this is something else to remember for later, for whoever has to him more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have even what he has shall be taken away from him. Again, keep that in mind for later. And then verse 13, therefore, I speak to them in parables, because while seeing they do not see, and while hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And skipping to verse 16, but blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. So that's the scripture that reinforces what you were saying about, you know, needing to be equipped and have spiritual ears and eyes to understand parables. So returning to the intro to the parable of the talents we see in Matthew 25, 14 to 16, there's a similar setup. A nobleman entrusts his slaves with his money, except this time each is given quote-unquote, according to his own ability. We see one gets five talents, one two, and another one gets one. We can view talents here in the English sense of the word meaning abilities. Now, some of us have more abilities or gifts than others, but we're only expected to do what we can according to those abilities. Now, monetarily speaking, a talent was worth about 60 minas. And if we use our math from from before, that equates to more than $600,000 per talent. Another way of looking at it is, 
it's worth about 20 years of income, generally speaking. Yeah, great point. So to recap, in the first parable spoken to the crowd of Israel, the slaves all get the same amount, 10 minas or about $100,000. In the second parable spoken to the disciples in a private teaching, the slaves each get different amounts of greater value. One gets five talents, about $3 million, if you do the math. One gets two talents, $1.2 million. And one gets one talent, about $600,000. So what do they do with these endowments, and, and how are they judged? That, that's the next question. Now that we know the speaker, audience, and context of these parables, the S, P, A, and C, we're ready to move on to the conclusion of the parables and get the E, the explanation. So let's compare and contrast. All right, Jordan, I'm going to pick it up here in Luke chapter 19. Verse 15, when he returned after receiving the kingdom, he ordered that these slaves to whom he had given the money be called to him so that he might know what business they had done. The first appeared saying, Master, your mina has made 10 minas more. And he said to him, Well done, good slave, because you have been faithful in a very little thing. You are to be in authority over 10 cities. The second came saying, Your mina master has made five minas. And he said to him also, and you are to be over five cities. Okay, now Matthew 25 to compare and contrast, starting in verse 16. Immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. Skipping to verse 19. Now after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Also, the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. So first, uh, this, this is just the um, reward portion of the parable. We'll start with that. And uh, the second thing I wanted to point out, Andy, which you can probably comment on, is in the first case, they're called good slaves. In the second case, good and faithful. What's that distinction there? Yeah, so there are definitely different levels. I, I I would say it's code that Jesus uses throughout the Bible to basically tell the reader that there are different levels. Where do you fit based on your lifestyle, based on your faith in Christ and the level of knowledge you have in the Bible? What level are you at? And there are three levels that we know of, which are general. One of them is good, which is the description that Jesus is using in the first parable, in the parable of the minas or pounds. The second one, he describes his servants as faithful, and that's the parable of the talents, which is a level above. And then finally, the parable in 24 about the wise and faithful is, is the level wise, which means you're, you're good plus faithful, and now you're wise, meaning that you have under, deepest understanding of these parables and deeper understanding truths, which we call kingdom truths, which is the highest reward. And to compare them, and I'll be brief, the reward in the parable of the, the pounds or minas, which by the way, the currency was silver. Silver was the common day currency back then. And the reward was to be a ruler over five cities or 10 cities. Now, when we compare it to the parable of the talents, talents, the currency was actually gold. 
And back then, it was only royalty that even had access to gold. You could be the, the richest fisherman or the richest tax collector in all of Judea, and you could have a million silver coins, but you would not have access to gold. So that, that's actually a historical fact. So we see here in the parable of the talents that these servants are given gold to trade with, and their reward is not just cities, five and ten cities, but Jesus actually tells them that the master tells the servant, if you're trading with gold or with talents, he says, well done, you have been faithful over a little, I will make you ruler over much. And you have to automatically concede and say much is going to be more than five or ten cities. And then finally, in the parable of the wise and faithful servant, we see that the reward there is, Jesus says, if you are faithful when I come back, faithful and wise, I will make you ruler over all that I have. So you could do the math, you could do the comparison. You've got cities, then you've got much of rulership, and then you've got everything. So it's important that we carefully dissect each one so that we as individuals, if we strive to get closer to God and we're seeking to grow in our rank, if you will, that we need to understand what each parable represents so we can apply that to our lives. We can also see based on the audience um, those levels, Andy, because if you remember, the first parable was spoken to a general audience of, of Israel, which consisted of everyone, including the disciples. But then when we get to this next level of good and faithful, he's speaking in a private teaching to his disciples who already had a higher level of understanding and, and and potentially reward. Absolutely. And if we really want to go deeper, and if you want to learn more, I know that we've done studies on this, and you can go to our website to our archive of older episodes, and we actually study and teach on these individual parables if, if you're interested and want to get a little bit more information. And of course, if you want to do that, feel free to contact us in any way. We would love to share everything we know. You know, freely we, we receive, freely we shall give. So, you know, we're passionate about that. Now, I'd like to talk, in, in to wrap things up, let's go into the punishment side of this, right? The flip okay. side of that coin, no pun intended. Luke 19 and I'll pick it up in 20 and read to 26. Okay. Another came saying, Master, here is your mina, which I kept put away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you because you were an exacting man. You take up what you did not lay down and reap what you did not sow. He said to him, by your own words, I will judge you, you worthless slave. Did you know that I am an exacting man, taking up what I did not lay down and reaping what I did not sow? Then why did you not put my money in the bank? And having come, I would have collected it with interest. Then he said to the bystanders, Take the mina away from him and give it to the one who has the ten minas. And they said to him, Master, he has ten minas already. I tell you that to everyone who has, more shall be given. But from the one who does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Yeah, and that connects again to Matthew 13. We told you to, to remember uh, Matthew 13, 10 to 12, when he's saying, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but to them it has not been granted. He ends with, For whoever has, to him more shall be given and he will have an abundance, but whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. So we've seen that before. And then to compare Matthew 25 with what you just read in Luke 19, that version says, and the one also who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed, and I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, what you have is yours. But his master answered and said to him, you wicked, lazy slave. Again, contrast that with good and faithful, right? You knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to put my money in the bank. And on my arrival, I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has, more shall be given 
and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. And then it adds this, throughout the worthless slave into the outer darkness, in that place there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Unfortunately, we're out of time. Don't forget to visit our website at 20mbs.org. Thanks for joining us for another 20-minute Bible study. Special thanks to the family of Pastor Gary T. Whipple, to the Abundant Life Worship Center for the music for our show, and to Tom Pine for our scripture reading. I'm Steve Zioli, and until next time, may the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Mysteries of the Kingdom Incorporated.